This video is a message and a challenge to people who advocate for violent activism and rioting. Not only am I going to discuss the immorality of it, I'm going to scientifically prove to you that it's not effective and more importantly demonstrate to you that the issues that people on the left who are currently rioting or advocating for rioting or apologizing for rioting, the issues that you want addressed are actually made worse by this practice. As an Occupy activist, I had a commitment to the nonviolent strategy as suggested by people like Martin Luther King. Now, before you as a leftist roll your eyes and say what I know you're about to say, we're going to discuss everything in full context. Yes, Martin Luther King said that riots are the language of the unheard. Frequently, people say that this quote is taken out of context, and they do so in a fashion to try to suggest that Martin Luther King therefore supported riots or was okay with riots. So let's just take a listen to the man himself. Many in moments of anger, many in moments of deep bitterness engage in riots. Let me say, as I've always said, and I will always continue to say, that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. I'm still convinced that non-violence is the most potent weapon available to oppress people in their struggle for freedom and justice. I feel that violence will only create more social problems than they will solve. Now, we'll get back to Dr. King in a moment, but I want to discuss exactly what he just said. What social problems are caused by riots? And how will it cause more problems than it will solve? I can prove empirically that what he just said is correct, and it is just as correct now as it was in the 60s. Riots do not help people. This peer-reviewed article goes over the damage that is economically done to a community where riots take place. It uses as an example the Rodney King riots, which Los Angeles still has not financially recovered from. Riots literally cause poverty. They take away jobs from a community and they make people less likely to invest in your community. Now, you can call that white flight and blame it on racism, I guess. But let me ask you for a moment, if you had money to invest in a community and you knew that that community had a habit of destroying itself every time people were angry at the government and doing so in a way that was indiscriminate in its approach, meaning that you might not even have anything to do with what it is that made the rioters angry, but they reserve the right to destroy their community any time they are angry, which is exactly what's going on right now. There are BLM activists in New York City as we speak blatantly stating that there will be riots, burning, and bloodshed. I'll play that clip in a little bit. But 
The point is, riots create poverty. There's a reason why the Ku Klux Klan burned down Black Wall Street. You guys talk about the Tulsa Race Massacre all the time. And then you go and do to your own communities exactly what the Ku Klux Klan did to you. You destroy the local economies. You destroy the jobs that would have been available. And then what? A link to this article, as with all of my sources, will be in the description. That in a real sense it is impractical for the Negro to even think of mounting a violent revolution in the United States. So I will continue to condemn riots. Here's another peer-reviewed study. Does violent protest backfire? Testing a theory of public reactions to activist violence. Participants responded to an experimental scenario based on recent violent confrontations between white supremacist, white nationalist protesters and anti-racist counter-protesters. I'm looking at you, Antifa. Allowing the authors to study whether violent protest would reduce public support even when used against a widely reviled group. The authors found that the use of violence by an anti-racist group while against white nationalists led to decreased support for the anti-racist group and increased support for the white nationalist group. Furthermore, the results were consistent with the theorized casual process. Violence led to perceptions of unreasonableness, which reduced identification with and support for the protest group. Importantly, the results revealed a striking asymmetry. Although acts of violence eroded support for an anti-racist group, support for white nationalist groups was not reduced by the use of violence, perhaps because the public already perceives these groups as very unreasonable and identifies with them at low levels. In other words, you're not going to harm the <laughs> perception of the KKK or neo-Nazis, because contrary to your delusions of grandeur, people already hate them. Anyway, consistent with this interpretation, the authors found that self-identified Republicans, a subset of the sample that reported less extremely negative views of white nationalists showed reduced support for white nationalists when they engaged in violence. So in other words, it doesn't work for them either. It doesn't work for the KKK or for neo-Nazis. Violent activism doesn't work. Here's another article specifically about this, but before I begin, let me remind people that I've already successfully argued the point that if your activist strategy is that we will inflict damage upon your property or your person if you don't give us what we want is terrorism. If you haven't like gotten that straight, put it in the comments. I will happily explain it to you, but it fits the definition easily. Now, why doesn't it work? The abstract says, this is the first article to analyze a large sample of terrorist groups in terms of their policy effectiveness. It includes every foreign terrorist organization designated by the U.S. Department of State since 2001. The key variable for FTO success is a tactical one, target selection. 
Terrorist groups whose attacks on civilian targets outnumber attacks on military targets do not tend to achieve their policy objectives, regardless of their nature. Contrary to the prevailing view that terrorism is an effective means of political coercion, the universe of cases suggests that, first, contemporary terrorist groups rarely achieve their policy objectives, and, second, the poor success rate is inherent to the tactic of terrorism itself. The bulk of the article develops a theory for why countries are reluctant to make policy concessions when their civilian populations are the primary target. So, it doesn't work. Again. You continue to say to my brothers and sisters that this is not the way. You continue to affirm that there is another way. But at the same time, it is as necessary for me to be as vigorous in condemning the conditions which cause persons to feel that they must engage in riotous activities as it is for me to condemn riots. I think America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society, which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. Now, let's make this clear. He didn't say that riots were okay in any way. He said we must condemn riots as vigorously as we condemn policies that are keeping us in poverty. Now, it is a common deflection to suggest that people are products of their environment, and I agree that is very much an issue, and that poverty itself helps to create the circumstances that cause people to riot. There's absolutely no question that that is true. But he didn't say that therefore riots are understandable and acceptable, he said that they still must be condemned as vigorously as you condemn poverty or systemic racism or any of the things that you believe cause riots. So let's go over the spiral that you've put yourself in because it's not even circular, it's a downward spiral if you follow this to its actual inevitable end. Economic conditions create circumstances of poverty, which lead to crime, and therefore interactions with law enforcement that lead to deaths of people that you identify with. So, in response to that, you engage in activism that is riotous and destroy your local economy in doing so which therefore creates more poverty, which therefore creates more crime, which therefore creates more police brutality, which therefore creates more riots. This doesn't make any sense. This is an indefensible position. This is not something that's a matter of opinion. It is something that is empirically, provably stupid. There is no way that you can engage in this activity and not be simply trying to destroy yourselves.
Let's use this picture of a rioter pouring gasoline on a fire to help get this into your head. If your concern is poverty and systemic issues leading to poverty, then destroying your own community, which leads to poverty, literally just creates situations of more poverty. And rioting is pouring gasoline on the fire. And yes, I know, 93% of Black Lives Matter protests have been peaceful. However, rather ironically, up to 95% of the 2020 riots were linked directly to Black Lives Matter. Well over 600 riots in one year. Now, because there was a large volume of protests, you don't really consider the fact that 93% of something that there's a lot of still leaves an awful lot of the other percent. So five to 600 riots in one year is an enormous number. And if 95% of 600 riots in a year involve Black Lives Matter, you need to consider taking a look in the mirror and what the impact of that is going to be. If you really care about people in those communities, there is no place for violence. It doesn't work. It's not just that I don't want you to be mean. It's not that I'm concerned that you're hurting white people or whatever. It doesn't help you. And in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. There you go. I finally played the part where he says that. I'm sure you feel a lot better. I'm sure those words mean to you that it's okay to riot. That... You know, after all, it's the language of the unheard. And you're the unheard. And you have convinced yourself that what you're doing is noble. Or that in some way, when you head down to the local store and rob it for a new flat screen TV, you're contributing to an end to systemic problems that are causing poverty in your community. Despite the fact that I have empirically proven to you that it doesn't help it does not improve the economy in your community at all, and it ruins any public support for your activism while simultaneously encouraging support for the people who oppose you. Good job. Now, if you run into somebody talking like this, tell them what I just told you. Ask them to describe what it is that they're going to do when their idiotic activism creates more poverty for their communities. If they think that they're going to go back to the old ways of policing, that we're going to take to the streets again, there will be riots, there will be fire, and there will be bloodshed. This is not activism. This is fucking stupidity. Again, this is not defensible. You are not helping anyone. It might make you feel good, but it doesn't actually accomplish anything other than making your situation worse. I'm going to link this article in the description for those of you leftists who have decided to go ahead and finish watching this, but this is not a right-leaning position. This was Martin Luther King's position. It's also Chris Hedges' position. And this guy's a flat-out socialist. People who are actively thinking strategically 
grasp that you're not going to get what you want through violence and terrorism. I know that you want to dream that you're some kind of freedom fighter and compare yourself to the freedom fighters of old, but that's not what you're doing. You're not targeting any military targets or taking any territory. You're just destroying your own communities. It doesn't help. It's not just wrong. It's stupid. It doesn't work. If riots are the language of the unheard, nobody's going to want to hear a thing you say if you're a terrorist. Thanks for listening.